All right, let's go to Ro uh, almost said Romans, uh, Revelation chapter sixteen. I had a really good uh, devotion yesterday morning. Uh, I give the devotions at at Freedom on Tuesday mornings, and so I had a really uh, really good time uh, with them. It's not a requirement that all the teachers uh, come to for devotions. Well, some of them have uh, morning care duties and parking lot duties and and other things. And some are just so busy with, I mean, you got some of them that have three or four kids into school, so they're trying to get their kids in school, in class, and they're trying to to get their classrooms ready. But on the most part, uh, most of the teachers come, and we meet in the library. So I was able to share with them the same message that I shared Sunday morning. So I had to knock a 45-minute sermon down to 15 minutes, and I did it. So y'all will be really proud. So y'all are going to say, okay, now what's your excuse? Okay, I knocked out the poem. I knocked out all the tear-jerking stories, okay? Uh, and I did not do a review, yes. Uh, by the way, we'll be reviewing tonight, okay? I think that's why uh, uh, Audrey, or no, Sonia, I think that's why Sonia decided to stay home. She didn't want to hear any more reviews, Um but, uh, you know, it, it's hard to read people sometimes. And, and, um, but I have one lady especially that, you know, you, when you don't know, I, I know you, you know, because I'm with you Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. So I know your facial expressions. I know that, I know when you're asleep. I know those of you that can sleep with your eyes open. Uh, I know your reactions, okay? I know when you're thinking. I know, I, I, I know your, your facial expressions. I know when I'm getting, getting through the first layer. Uh, but then I don't know them. I mean, I just know them as coworkers, uh, as teachers. So, I, I mean, I, I'm still trying to put names with faces with, with most of them. Uh, but one, one lady in particular, she came to me afterwards. She said, you know, I really needed that today. She said, because I have become so busy with all the external things in life. Uh, she said, I, I, I'm busy at church. I'm busy here. Uh, I'm busy with family needs. I'm busy, busy, busy that I have really neglected what is the most important thing. And she said, I just really needed that today. So you just never know. Just, uh, just a little encouraging word, a text. Uh, an email, a phone call, uh, you just never know what it could, uh, how it could, you know, just perk up a, a person, all right? So now we are, uh, in fact, what, what led me to that is uh, at the very beginning, I said we have been going through Luke, uh, and I said this is how slow we go. I started two years ago in Luke, and we're just now getting into Luke 10, and they all kind of looked at me like, really? Uh, you know, I said, well, there's so much in God's Word that if you go too fast, you're going to miss it. So we just go slow. And uh, so uh, so we are, we started, what, a little, little over a year ago in Revelation? Uh, we are starting to see the end in sight, okay? And so once again, we are in the final judgment um, being executed by God. And we are seeing God's wrath being put into action. It is the most severe judgment that has ever been uh, put upon mankind. And uh, one thing we have been encouraged to do, and I'm glad that we have been encouraged to do this at Freedom, 
And that is to start every class off, not with just prayer. We're encouraged to do that. It kind of sets the tone. But, uh, but just a small little spiritual truth. And uh, so this week, uh, I just asked all the classes. I said, what is the gospel? Do you know what the gospel is? If somebody was to ask you what the gospel is, could you tell me what the gospel is? And, you know, once again, I got a whole different array of answers. I got uh, going to church. I got uh, walking an aisle. I got all the, the gamut. I got it all. Um, so I had the opportunity this week, uh, every class, to tell them what the gospel is. To be committed to the glory of God and then to embrace the gospel. And uh, so I mentioned this, this, this afternoon to my last hour class about the gospel. I said, you know, there are so many people that they would, they would rather embrace their sin now and go to hell in eternity than to repent from their sin now and live in glory in heaven. Because they love their sin so much that they would rather embrace their sin now than repent from it. And I mentioned this. I said, have you ever tried to picture, now these were ninth graders. I said, have you ever tried to picture how beautiful heaven will be? But just imagine, you, your mind cannot even begin to fathom how beautiful heaven will be, but your mind also cannot even begin to fathom how terrible hell is going to be. And see, I'm not, I'm not mincing words. We, it, we, need to, we need just in our churches just get back to saying how beautiful heaven is, but how awful hell is. We need to get back to that. So, with that being said, we cannot even begin to imagine God's wrath here and how harsh His wrath is going to be. So, this is the, we're going to look tonight at the seventh bowl of wrath. So, let's kind of go back, just uh, just kind of rehash our, our minds. So, in verse 1, we see that there's the great thundering of the voice of God that it was a very loud voice, it was a heavenly voice, it was a commanding voice, it was a just voice. And if you, if you ever go back to Exodus at the, the, at the mount of how God's voice was thundering. And then in verse 2 we see that the, the, the first bold judgment was upon the earth. And uh, what was that judgment? It was a judgment on the earth in regard to mankind and the sores that would come upon their bodies, of how harmful, malignant, foul-smelling, painful, itching, and they couldn't find any relief. I think of Job. You know, how Job could not, he, his, it says that, that his body, his, his whole body from head to toe was covered with these boils, and that he could not find any relief. In fact, it says that that even his own close friends did not even recognize him because he was so deformed from these sores, these boils, that he would 
he would sit in ashes to try to find some relief. And he would take uh, a broken pot with the sharp edges and scrape them in order to try to, to open them to get the, 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 the pus out, to get the infection out. Try to get some sort of relief. So who are the recipients of this judgment? Well, they are the people that took the mark of the beast. Verse 3, there's the second bowl. That was the judgment upon the seas. The fishing industry, the commercial industry was all destroyed so that the economy now is being destroyed. And then verse 4, we see the third bowl of judgment. That was judgment on the fresh water. So all the streams, the rivers, the drinking water, the bathing water, washing water, all just contaminated. Couldn't do any of those things. But then I want us to just, for a moment, let's look at verses 5, 6, and 7, where it says, I heard the angel to the water saying, Righteous are you who are and who were, O holy one, because you judged these things. For they poured out the blood of saints and prophets, and you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it. They deserve what they have done. They deserve it. And I heard the altar saying, Yes, O Lord God, the Almighty, true and righteous are your judgments. Then going into verse 8 and 9 is the fourth bowl, and this is where we, where we took up last week, and that is judgment on the sun. Okay, the, angel, uh, for the fourth angel poured out his bowl upon the sea, and it was given to it to scorch men with fire. Men were scorched with fierce heat. Okay, well, let's stop there for just for a moment. How many of you ever had a sunburn? I think we all have from time to time. Oh, by the way, I cut my grass this past Saturday. Guess what I had on my head? A hat this time, okay, uh, because it was bright. Okay. But uh, sunburns are very painful, okay, but you could at least get some sort of salve or, you know, soak in some ice or cold water or something to try to relieve the, the burn. They can find no relief, their bodies are being blistered by the sun. So put that on top of the boils. Now we have to remember that every one of these bold judgments is happening one after another. There is no break. Yes, sir. Yeah, it's everybody. Everybody on the earth is getting judged. Okay, no one is exempt. They are all getting God's wrath upon them. But then I want you to note here, what, what do they do? Okay, they curse God. It says they blasphemed the name of God. They shook their face at God, or their fist at God, and said, God, we curse you. How could you do this? Well, it's like the, the people that say that, that, that have actually asked me these questions. I've been asked this many times. How could a loving God send people to hell? Okay, they send their own selves to hell. When they reject Christ, they, send their, they have doomed themselves. They have brought the sentence of God's wrath upon themselves. So they blaspheme the name of God who has the power over these plagues. And they did not repent so as to give him glory. 
Then the fifth angel poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast, and his kingdom became darkened, and they gnawed their tongues because of pain. And they, once again, blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores, and they did not repent of their deeds. The sixth angel poured out his bowl on the great river, the, the river Euphrates, and his water was dried up so that the way would be prepared for the kings from the east. And then verses 13 through 16 talks about Armageddon. Okay, so the judgment would cause the great river to be dried up. That way it is, it is uh, uh, allowing all of those nations on the other side of the great river Euphrates to be able to go into Armageddon. So there's the invasion of the armies. Now I want you to note here in verse 14, there is the revealing of the three unclean spirits. Okay, I think in the original it has that they were described as frogs, which basically an unclean spirit. They go out to the kings of the whole world to gather them together for the war of the great day of God, the Almighty. Behold, I am coming like a thief. Blessed is the one who stays awake and keeps his clothes, so that he will not walk about naked and men will not see his shame. And they gathered them together to the place which in Hebrew is called Armageddon, or we know it as Armageddon. So these armies are gathered for battle. A warning has been given to them, but then there is the place. But then there, that leads to the seventh bowl of judgment. That's where I want to go tonight, the seventh bowl of judgment. Begin with verse 17. It says, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air. Now, I want you to note that. We're going to go back to this, but I want you to note here, upon the air. I'd never seen this before until I started uh, on Sunday afternoon reading some commentaries about what was meant here upon the air. It says, And a loud voice came out of the temple from the throne, saying, It is is done so note those three words it is done one commentator said this he said this bowl will complete god's wrath except for the final judgment on the rebellion at the end of the millennial in chapter 20 verses 7 through 10 it immediately precedes the second coming of jesus christ it will usher the worst calamity in the history of the world the voice from the temple in heaven is undoubtedly the voice of God himself. It is done, is best translated. It has been and will remain done. God will punctuate the completion of his wrath with a devastating earthquake, the most powerful in, her, in her earth's history. Now, let's go back to verse 17 here at the very beginning. Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl upon the air. Okay, now I want you to keep your finger here or your, your, your Bible ribbon, if you want to put it there. And I want you to go to Ephesians chapter 2. I never put this together. But now, but after I read 
uh, a couple of commentaries the other day, and they all agreed on this point. That this is a judgment here. It may, now once again, this is, this is just opinions in some commentators. But the more and more I thought about it, the more and more it makes sense. Okay, verse 2, it says, well, let's go to verse 1. And you were dead in your trespasses and sins. And verse 2, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working to the sons of disobedience. So this may signify. Now, once again, this is just, this is just opinions. But it does make sense, doesn't it? That who is the prince of the power of the air? Satan is. So here is this bowl being poured upon the air. So it may signify judgment against Satan and his allies, that they know their time is running out. So then in verses 18 and 20, we'll go back to verse 19. But verse 18 and 20, there is the great earthquake. Okay, And there were flashes of lightning and sounds and peals of thunder. And there was a great earthquake, such as there had not been since man came to be upon the earth. So great an earthquake was it, and so mighty. This is how great it was. Look at verse 20. And every island fled away, and the mountains were not found. Now, even to this day, people still that, that were living in, southern, in the Los Angeles area, when we moved out there in 1999, I think we had been out there for about, for about two months. And we were laying in bed about 4, about four, four thirty or so. We were laying in bed, and all of a sudden, our bed starts bouncing. And doors start. And we had just, first thing we thought, okay, are we in a haunted house? And, and the door starts doing this number. It lasted, it, se- it seemed like it lasted forever. I mean, it went, we just thought it went on and on and on and on. But it really only lasted about 30 seconds. And then it stopped. And Sean and I were laying there, and we just, I think we went through an earthquake. And sure enough, and then about an hour later, there was some aftershocks that lasted just for a few minutes where our bed would just kind of do this number. And then the doors would kind of, closet doors, bedroom doors would do that. And, of course, our kids slept through the whole thing. Uh, But it's really strange how earthquakes work. Because there was one time uh, I was in the living room of the house we were in, and Sean was in the bedroom, which is maybe not even five feet. And she comes out of the bedroom, and she says, did you feel that? I said, feel what? She said, I just felt an earthquake. I said, really? She said, yeah. Sure enough, about 15 minutes later, a bulletin came across, earthquake. You know, it was a very small one. It was like a .2, two something. 
But now the one that, the first one we experienced, uh, it was like a six point something, but the epicenter was out in the desert. So it rolled, by the time it got to us, it was less severe. But when I got to, I think that was on a Saturday, when I got to church on Sunday, I was like, man, we just went through our first earthquake. They're like, that was nothing. You kidding me? That was nothing. You should have been here in 1994 when the North North Ridge earthquake hit. That was like a 7.8, I think is what it was. But they were glad that it hit when it did because it hit around 4 o'clock in the morning and it flattened hospitals that were uh, just uh, not very many people there. It flattened them like pancakes. Uh, Yes, it flattened uh, Northridge Mall, flattened it. It was a two-story mall, just flattened it. What's that? Roads, yes, interstates buckled. Uh, It was a mess. I remember I was working that morning. I was getting off of work, and I was was working at EMS station right around the corner from our apartment, and that was the first news thing was coming over. Earthquake hit Los Angeles, and they were showing... You know, bridges had collapsed. And, all, and I'm sure some of y'all remember the earthquake that hit in the World Series in 1989, hit Oakland and San Francisco. And those are bad. I mean, they, they, are, they are really bad. They, they killed hundreds, but those will compare nothing to this earthquake. You know, there was one to hit Nepal a few years back, and it actually moved Mount Everest. That's how powerful an earthquake it was. So here's a great earthquake. This is the most devastating earthquake the world has ever seen. And in the scriptures, an earthquake signifies God's wrath and judgment on mankind and sin. I've got a bunch of references there. But the most obvious one is the earthquake that hit when Christ said, it is finished. And people that were students of the Old Testament, that when they knew from the Old Testament stories, that when it darkened and when an earthquake hit, God was judging. So when Christ said, it is finished, and it was darkened, and the earthquake hit, they knew God is judging. So here we see in this verse here, these two two verses, God is judging. So the whole world, okay? Now, when earthquakes hit today, they're pretty much centralized in one area, correct? I mean, it could be Southern California, it could... We've, we've even, the last few years, we haven't even had them here. Okay, where it happens in the mountains and it kind of ripples down to, to this area where people have actually felt them here. I think one of the largest uh, earth uh, faults is actually the, goes through the Blue Ridge Mountains. It's a large earthquake fault. So when they hit now, they're pretty much centralized in one area. But this earthquake is going to hit the entire world so hard that islands in the ocean will begin to disappear and mountain ranges will be moved. That is a powerful earthquake. 
But then I want you to note in verse 19 here, very beginning, where it says, The great city was split into three parts, and the cities of the nations fell. Now I want to explain to you about that great city. The great city is Jerusalem. It will be divided into three parts. But that dividing into three parts is not of judgment, but of improvement. It is setting the city of or preparing the city of Jerusalem. It was preparing it for the upcoming establishment of the millennial kingdom. So it's not judging Jerusalem. It is actually preparing Jerusalem. But then in the latter part of verse 19, we see that Babylon will fall. Babylon, the great, was remembered before God to give her the cup of the wine of his fierce wrath. Now, I want you to note that word fierce or fierceness. The word fierce. Now, what is meant here by, the, by Babylon? This is the capital of the Antichrist. His empire now is going to be totally destroyed with God's fierce wrath. The word fierce, we get from the word themos. The Greek word is themos, which means we also get thermometer from, or thermos from. Protects heat. So what is meant by this word fierce or themos? It means a fierce wrath, boiling anger. You know, when I, when I saw that meaning here of boiling anger, what I thought about is in Romans chapter 1, where those that continue to live in sin, live in sin, blaspheme God, they're not repenting, even though they have been given warning after warning after warning. They are searing their conscience. And what are they storing up against themselves? God's wrath. They're storing it. God's boiling anger. This is the strongest outpouring of God's wrath and His divine judgment. And then we see in verse 21, the fallen of great hail upon mankind. You ever been in a hailstorm? You ever been in a real bad one? Where it looked like snow in the ground? And where uh, if your car was parked outside, you were hoping that you weren't have to, going to have to go? Yeah, bet. You weren't going to have to, in Kansas, uh, you're, going to have, you're going to hope you weren't going to have to call the insurance agent. One of my, one of my students, she's in one of my, my Spanish 1 class. She just turned 16, has her, has her driver's license, and she drove out to see a friend out in Cape Fear, Cape Fear High School area. Well, she hit a deer. She said that the deer hit her. I said, no. Nah. And it took her fender off. So somewhere out in Kafir High School District is a deer running around with a fender on its antlers. So I can't, I can't, did you find that deer yet, you deer killer? But here is great hail upon mankind. 
Hell is often used against the enemies of God. In, in Exodus chapter 9, it was used against the Egyptians to destroy all of their, their crops. In Joshua 10, 11, Isaiah 28, 2, Ezekiel 38, 22 is great hailstones. Now it says here, now there's a couple of keys of thought here about the size of these hailstones. These are huge blocks of ice that are coming down, raining down upon mankind. And once again, just to try to imagine here that all of these bold judgments are happening one after another. You know, all the other ones, they, they would happen, there was a break. It would happen, there was a break. Happen, a break. Here, no break. Just one after another. Here, these hailstones fall down. It says that it, they, they, uh, in the New American Standard, it says uh, 100 pounds each. Some commentators say 75 pounds, which is what, if you have an, uh, the authorized version of King James, it says a talent. Now, a talent measuring of weight in that day was 75 to 100. So a 100-pound hailstone. What is now destroyed? Everything is left over. Everyone's homes, crops, trees, everything. Everything totally just annihilated. So the, sales, the size of these hailstones is the weight of about 75 to 100 pounds. But here's the sad thing. It came down from heaven upon men. And men blasphemed God. They didn't repent. They blasphemed God because of the plague of the hail, because its plague, note description here, extremely severe. Nothing left. Total destruction. So now man still refuses to acknowledge the greatness of God. They continue in their blasphemy, and they continue to refuse to repent. Next week, we're going to get into uh, chapter 17, verses 1 through 13. If you want to go ahead and start start reading there, and we'll talk about the, the doom of Babylon, or the, the, the destruction of Babylon, which is where the Antichrist had his capital. All right, any comments tonight before we, before we pray and be dismissed? All right, anything at all? Yes, sir. No. 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 Yeah. No. Yep. When it says all mankind, this is exactly what it means. There is no remnant. They're done. That's it. That's it. Yep. That's it. Exactly. Yeah, they're not going to change. They, they've had chance after chance. God has called them, called them, called them, and they refused.
He has extended, he has extended his grace and mercy to the point of where they have refused, and he's, uh, okay, you wanted it, you got it. Here it is. Well, their conscience is seared. They have no conscience. Right, yeah. Well, but, but God is not, right. But God is not allowing them to die. Yeah. He's just allowing them, they're just suffering. So God, is, God could easily wipe them out, but he's not because... He wants them to suffer because it says there, we just read there, that it, they deserve it. There you go. Yes, sir. Yeah. And it won't. Yeah. They try, there's, there's, there's references there in the earlier judgments that many, it, 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 if you read between the lines there, in calling for mountains to fall upon them, that they want suicide. And they, and, they, and they cannot commit suicide. God won't allow them to die. He wants them to suffer. Yes. Right. And that's where, uh, you still got your Bible there? If you look back, at verse 6, uh, for they poured out the blood of saints and prophets. Okay, who did that? They poured out the bloods of the saints. It's the ones that killed, the mar- that, that martyred them. And then it says, you have given them blood to drink. They deserve it because of what they did to the believers during the tribulation period, to the martyrs. So this is finally, remember, remember there, there, there were times that the martyrs said from underneath the altar, are you going to revenge our death? And God, God said, yes, I will, just be patient. I'm going to let them suffer. But it will come. It's coming. This is where it's coming. But what also saddens me is that there are so many theological liberals out there that that tried to discredit the book of Revelation just like they try to discredit Genesis and Job by saying that's all allegorical. No, this is not allegorical. This is, this is future judgment that's going to happen upon mankind. Right. It, 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 right. Right. <laughs> Yeah. Yes. 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 Yeah. Well, now, the, the final judgment to be sent to hell has not happened yet. But the rapture has already occurred. You're already in heaven. You're already in heaven. Yeah, to be absent from the bodies, be present with the Lord. Yep, yep. So, all right, let's pray. Be dismissed. Father, we do thank you for your word, and we thank you, Father, for your deliverance of the saints prior to this time of judgment. 
We do praise you that you are a God that is just, that you will execute your, uh, your, your wrath upon those that refuse to acknowledge your glory. But Father, we pray for those that are lost. We pray that you would draw them unto yourself so that they will not have to go through this terrible time of judgment. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, have a great rest of the week. Pastor Ken, you're going to practice tonight, right?